once again to Devotional. This is lesson number four for Tuesday, December 11th. Well, I'm going to jump right in on this podcast. Uh, I don't want to allegate um, over the past podcast. I'm trying to recap. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going to be overlapping, but I'm just going to let you listen to those. I want to dive right into this um, podcast because it's the first angel's message and it's very rich, very dense, and I want to get to some points that uh, clearly build up from where we've been. Um, the first angel's message has some components, and I encourage you to read to not just read it. Um, actually, I had to memorize that in becoming trained for a Bible worker, and I didn't understand why I needed to memorize this these verses until I got out there, and I would get a lot of questions as to, you know, why do you guys believe this, and why do you guys believe that? And I realized, in the, third angels, the first, second, and third angel's message, we have Basically, it, it fits. It's a, all of those three messages fall under the canopy of the everlasting gospel or the eternal gospel. So if you want to understand the good news, this is the condensation of the, the, the entire gospel right here. And the first angel's message uh, begins with fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and the springs of waters. It doesn't sound very good, right? Um, the, the eternal gospel and the very first two words is fear God. Well, we need to understand that. And I'm going to invest to, to, uh, the next couple of podcasts uh, with those phrases because actually tomorrow's podcast for the lesson is entitled Bible Study and Fellowship. And I'm going to focus on how to study the Bible, how to get what, what it means to fear God. Is it to be terrified? Is, is that what it means? And um, it's best to get to those definitions from the scriptures. And I didn't realize that there's two kinds of fears in the Bible, and we'll look at that tomorrow. Um, what I do want to get to is uh, we are told to fear God and to give Him glory, not as a mandate, but as a response. And remember what we've been talking about, the, the repeating theme. Worship is a response. And the fear of God and the giving Him, the giving God glory is a response as well. We are told that we need to fear God and give Him glory because... This is the reason. This is a response because the hour of his judgment has come. And again, uh, the way that I heard it for many years was, you know, he's going to judge me. Um, but God doesn't need to judge you and I. In the Gospel of John chapter 3, we are told that God didn't send his son to condemn the world. You know why? Because we were already condemned. Why would God need to judge people that are already condemned and sentenced to death? For the wages of sin is death. We already had sin. Our, the sentence was already over us. It was just a matter of time before the sentence would get executed. So the, the hour of his judgment speaks about a totally different experience. And I want to encourage you to read the rest of it um, in Exodus chapter 6. I'm going to just give you a, you know, this is when God is meeting with Abraham, um, <laughs> Moses. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow we need a Bible study and Pastor Ariel needs to review some things. Um, God is meeting with Moses in Exodus. And he is coaxing Moses to go and set Israel free from the bondage in Egypt. And he's encouraging Moses. He's reminding him who he is. And I'm just going to read Exodus chapter 6, verse 2. says, God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord, and I appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they sojourn. Furthermore, I have heard the groanings of the sons of Israel. Here it is. Because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage. And I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the sons of Israel. 
I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm, and get this, with great judgments. Great judgments. God would save Israel out of bondage through judgments. And it's plural. And I want, to, I want you to think, what did God use to set Israel free? There were many of them, several of them. The ten plagues. The ten plagues were God's judgments not to punish, but to free, to set free, to deliver, to reveal who is the true God. Every single one of those judgments revealed that the, the gods of Egypt were not strong and mighty. They were creatures. The, the worshiping of the beetle, the cats, the hawk, all those animals, are, God had created those. God controlled the hail. God controlled the sun even when there was darkness over the land. God was showing that he was the superior God. He was the creator. This, these two themes of judgment as in the context of salvation and God as creator always go hand in hand. In the Exodus, you see those two blended beautifully. And it helps us understand, and there's many other verses, especially in the Psalms, in which the, the concept of judgment is never used uh, in, in a punitive way to punish us, rather to redeem, to save, to rescue us. We'll spend some more time in, in the podcast throughout this, the week uh, further going deep into this concept. But right now, this lesson for Tuesday is about the first angel's message. And at the heart of it, of course, this whole week is about worship. And I want you to see how this message is introduced. Uh, the fear of God, um, the giving God glory because of his judgment. The hour of his judgment has come. And God's judgments have always been consistent. His judgments have been to save. Um, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I'm so itchy. I'm so willing right now to start, but I'll wait till tomorrow. I don't want to make these podcasts uber long. I've realized that they've gotten longer and longer. I want to keep it so that you don't have to get, get go late to work trying to listen to this whole thing in the parking lot. <laughs> um, so, so far, to fear God and to give Him glory are both responses, responses to having experienced God's judgments in our lives, to be saved. What God says, with outstretched arm, I will redeem you with great judgments. It, it takes some recalibration, doesn't it? We have typically been conditioned to think that God's judgments are always in the in the form of, I'm going to destroy you, you're lost, and here I am to put, put an end to your misery. But that's not the primary definition of how God begins to use that word, at least in the Old Testament, um, when this word is used explicitly, is almost always in the context of salvation. The book... I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I almost got, got that, got to get into it. So, we are saved by God's judgments. And remember what we talked about yesterday, worship hinges on our experience of salvation. So the first angel's message tells us, it, it follows this beautifully. He, he begins with highlighting the judgments of God. And you know what the next thing it says after the, because of the hour of his judgment has come, the very next command is to worship him. Experience salvation leads you to worship. Experience the judgments of God, which are the, the stretching out of His mighty hand, the Almighty God, to rescue Israel out of Egypt through mighty manifestations that He is the Creator 
and that he overrules over all of these pseudo wannabe gods that we have manufactured ourselves God reigns supreme and he reigns supreme to save and because you've experienced that salvation his judgments in your life worship him worship the Creator now um, I'm hoping all this makes sense to you um, I, I don't want to uh, expand too much on this I just want to give you things for you to now go and study further this this Tuesday's lesson will probably if you spend time with it it will probably it take up the whole week because it's so rich it's so dense um, I want to talk about this element of creation uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest with my own personal experience and maybe you can relate to this I can be moved my heart is touched when I study and I look on the theme of salvation but you know my heart is not as moved when I look at the theme of creation I don't know why but it's almost like we've you know distilled creation into it is we're not, we're not we don't come from monkeys we don't accept evolution etc but the fact that we are created doesn't move us too much and I, I mean I'm wondering why you know and there's one psalm and uh, that came to mind as I thought you know why 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 do I not find myself moved inside of me with the idea of God as my creator definitely as my redeemer and my savior but when it comes to worshiping him as my creator and there's a psalms psalms 100 and psalms 100 um i'm going to just start reading from verse one right shout joyfully to the lord all the earth serve the lord with gladness come before him with joyful singing singing verse three is the one that i want to focus on know that the lord himself is god it is he who has made us and not we ourselves why would the psalmist feel compelled to make that declaration or clarification it, know that the lord himself is god and that it is he who has made us and not we ourselves you know why through the holy spirit the psalmist had to uh, remind us and highlight this to us that it is not we who have made ourselves because of that mindset especially here in the West especially here in America we admire admire self-made people people that have made themselves a career success rich especially rich uh, I was just reading in the news earlier today um, how it, the list of the 50th wealthiest billionaires in the world and of course, uh, Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, he reigns supreme over a hundred billion, 120 billion dollars that he himself is just him <laughs> in his bank account. Uh, if he has one only, um, we admire that. We admire the fact that he started out of the, the his uh, garage selling books originally, and his company now sells everything under the sun. And he competes and he's disruptive. The ecosystem of economics and retail. Um, shut down many stores and he keeps growing Amazon keeps growing and in America we admire that Elon Musk all these individuals that are self-made and maybe that's why the creator doesn't move us too much because we think okay I need him for my salvation so that I don't perish eternally but for my day-to-day -day life maybe I'm okay 
and maybe there has to be a lot more of me and less of him on the day-to-day -day business and a day-to-day carry out of you know feeding the kids and going here and going there and I, I think that this is the weak spot it's not so much of seeing God as our Savior but seeing him and acknowledge him as our creator we don't really spend time uh, thinking how much we owe to him as our creator and this psalm and many others highlight that emphatically beautifully in, in a very uh, intentional way how often do I find myself thinking of God as my creator when I come to him for forgiveness I think of him as my redeemer and my savior and but he has to go together only the creator could have saved Israel and that was his point that was God's point in the ten plagues he was not just angry and lost his temper and was throwing hail and making the cows go sick and he was uh, undoing every idol that Egypt worshipped denial they worshipped denial they he, he um, showed how everything that they thought was supreme and superior to Israel was in fact inferior that he was above everything is God above everything in my life if he is the creator then that means he has limitless amount of power he has creative power and when I don't recognize that part of him then his word will not have eternal power power enough to change me power enough to affect my life power enough to intervene in my life his promises don't go any higher than a fortune cookie or a bumper sticker and that's what we lose when we don't worship him as our creator and to worship him as our creator requires that same experience of him as our redeemer only our creator could have saved us they are inseparable and it is well worth the effort the investment for us to spend time thinking as to why you dear listener ought to worship God not just because he has saved you but because he has created you you can't leave the one without the other it will give you an imbalanced view of God of the gospel and salvation the eternal gospel the everlasting gospel highlights both in one message inseparable message fear God and give him glory because of his judgments to save and because of that experience worship him as your creator your creator your redeemer you we, we cannot worship him separate I'm hoping that this will give you things to think about I'm hoping that this will excite you about this week's lesson that is not just bland or things we've heard of before some fresh insights came to me as I prepare for this lesson in regards to the, the follow-through the, the, the consistent theme of salvation leads to worship we see that in the first angels message and I don't want it to just be information I want to invite you today experience God's power to save you from sin it's the creative power found in his word that will transform your thoughts and feelings the very core of your being God has that kind of power because he is your creator